That will come uh, tomorrow morning, probably. For now, what I'd like to do is is to make sure that we have some ideas and understanding of the nature of the cell groups. And so I would like to uh, have you do a little exercise. I would like to have you make a two-column chart, and I would like to have you see if you can compare and contrast a regular small group in the historical understanding and the cell group. Now, there may be a couple of places you want to look. You may want to look on the bottom of page 28 with those five keys for cell group life that we talked about. And you may want to look also at page... Is that it? Yeah. 20, 32 and 33. Now, on page 32 and 33, you have a more detailed description of what the tasks are of a cell group leader. Now, the way this got developed was when I was working with one particular church. In fact, it's the daughter church that I'm now a part of. And they were trying to focus their training that they were going to do for their cell group leaders. So I sat down with the leaders and helped them think through what are all the activities they want the cell group leader to be able to do. And so you see a detail of that exercise that we did. And as you look at some of those specifics, you might get a little bit idea of what kind of dynamic we're hoping to see happen in cell groups. So see if you can make a, a two-column chart and be able to identify the, the, the similarities and the differences between the groups. Then we'll take a little bit of time for some questions. List to, under, to, to be able to find out what is your level of understanding at this point. I'm trying to figure out if I have a gift of teaching or not. Okay, let's, I, there's enough understanding that I hear that it'd uh, be good maybe to take some questions that you might have. And I'll, I'm going to take the liberty to stop the questions when I think we need to stop them, even though there's going to be more questions, because it would be nice to get through uh, if possible today. I think, though, one of the questions you're asking is, how do you start the first group so it develops the right kind of pattern? And in fact, I do address that a little bit later on. But let me just say this to begin with. Those churches that are effective in starting cell groups often will start with a what we call a leadership cell. And into this group you would put potential leaders, you would also put some new Christians to make it fresh, and you would you would practice doing the dynamics of cell life. And you model for them what you would want to do, and you learn by experience how to do what you want to do too. When that group starts functioning like it should, then you're ready to start two or three groups out of that group. Mm, that puts the genetic code into the new groups as well. I was talking with Craig and he was uh, uh, giving me an illustration of this very point. And, and if it's okay, Craig, would you just give a, like a uh, one minute summary of, of how you did that first group and how they reproduced that? M many cell groups meet every week. In healthy cell groups, they have people there every week. The key is to is if God is so present in the midst, they won't want to miss. But if the meeting <sighs> is boring, then it's hard to get people there. Most groups will meet every week. There are some cell groups that meet every other week. Those that meet every other week take a longer time to reproduce because it, they don't develop as much momentum. So weekly is normally uh, better although every other week is, is sometimes okay. And obviously, some people are not as committed, so their attendance would be less regular, where those that are really a part of the group will be fully participating in the cell life and will be there every time. 
I think there sometimes you can take a, a, a small group that has many of the components of cell life and say, what can you do that will move it more toward cell life? In fact, we had to go through that experience ourselves. When we first started our church, we had cell groups. This was long before cell group was a term that was, that was even known. And so I got my hands on literature about small groups, and I said, oh, we must be doing it wrong because it doesn't look like what they describe in all these books. So we went from cell groups to small groups. And then later on, the Lord led us back to cell groups. And we had to make a conversion from small groups back to cell groups. And I realized we had it right the first time, but didn't know we were doing it right. Now, in those small groups that we had, there were numbers of things that we were doing that were very healthy. For instance, uh, we did not have like a Bible teaching or, or lecture that went on. Rather, there was a Bible discovery that was going on as many people were sharing and interacting and, and making their contribution. But we often used a curriculum, and we do now lesson one, and the next week we do lesson two, and so on. And in that sense, it was a little bit cur- too much curriculum-driven and not enough personal need-oriented. From my experience, I found that leaders that led traditional small groups took much longer time to change their thinking to move it more towards cell group because they'd had many sometimes years of practice of doing it one way and so the the notion of edification time of the use of gifts was a little bit different and especially the training of these people to do the outreach was was different but sometimes it's better to try to build on what you have and move toward what needs to be in other cases it is better to just start completely new because to try to change it would be so profound that there, there's no way so if if i were in your situation as you described sounds like you might have possibilities to be able to make this transition let's say just for the sake of argument that you have four groups that are already existing. And you work with these small group leaders and talk to them about cell group concepts, etc. And you find one of these groups that is very traditional and just not open to change, and they're going to do it the way they do it. And you find two of these groups where they're more open. Well, I would say don't worry about bothering this one that's real traditional and help these groups move more toward where they want to be. But you may want to, to, uh, to start a new group, a leadership cell, and find some, so one or two people out of these groups that may want to, to be trained to do a new group. Because what happens is so these groups that are willing to change may not be able to change to the degree that they, they uh, can because they don't see a model of what it really looks like. So if you start a new group with some new Christians and new people and begin to see it develop, what it'll do is start growing and multiply and set a pattern that these people can look at and say, oh, that's what it looks like. So I think there's a strategy of saying, where are you and who's willing to start moving with you? And some will be involved in a transition of their existing groups other cases, you'll want to start a new group alongside, and probably both strategies are wise in a church. But if this one's been meeting for 15 years, don't try to stop them. The only exception is if you have the gift of martyrdom, then go ahead. <laughs> the, the gift of martyr, by the way, is only a gift that you use one time. <laughs> one of the places where teaching comes in 
is through the worship service. There are many cell group churches where the teaching is done on Sunday morning in the worship service, and then the cell groups take what they heard from the Scripture and figure out how does God want them to live that out in their life. That particular model has the advantage of having a continuity of the Word of God, having a chance to to dwell in people's hearts and have them discuss and pray and interact and figure out how to apply it in their context. You don't forget also that the pastor is meeting very regularly with the cell group leaders. And so there is teaching that's going on for the cell group leaders so that they themselves are continuing to grow. Don't forget there's also experienced cell group coaches coming alongside to help encourage and and to coach the cell group leaders. There is also the notion of of the believers being encouraged to, to begin to study in the Word of God themselves. And the amazing thing is if you just get people reading the Scripture over and over again... The Holy Spirit can, in fact, guide them very well. And in the presence of groups, there's also the teaching gift that is there. Now, you can put it together any way that you would want to put it together, but I would suggest that if you take a look at the cell system in its entirety, the teaching function is, in fact, well represented and well integrated into the overall life of the cell church. But the, but the point of the teaching is, is to make sure it's teaching to obey. Here's how um, uh, the Faith Community Baptist Church in Singapore addresses that question. As you can imagine, that's a fairly secularized environment as they win Chinese into Christianity. One of the things that they do for the very uh, secularized people is they have a special seekers group, what's called a share group, that that is just oriented for seekers to explore the claims of Christ. And uh, that is designed specifically for the focus on evangelism. The other thing that they do for new Christians coming into cells is they make sure that each new Christian, new convert, has a sponsor. And the sponsor is responsible to meet with that person outside of the cell and to help them to to uh, get used to what it's like and to get some basic foundings in, in the uh, Christian faith. And to, to help that facilitate that process, they have some material that they've used called the New Arrival Kit. And what it does is it helps to shape some of their values and some of their, their thinking from a scriptural standpoint and begin them on a journey of starting uh, into some of the basic disciplines of, of, of Christianity and some of the basic understandings that they need. So they have these sponsors within the cells that help to get them integrated, incorporated in. So those are some of the approaches that they've, they've been using with, with a good deal of effectiveness. See, the thing that's good about the this, this cell life is it's very flexible. It's not a program. And so you can be creative in how you meet the specialized needs to make sure that, that, that uh, what you're supposed to have happen happens. I see men's groups that work well, women's groups that work well, and mixed groups that work well. It all depends on the people. In terms of size, when a group starts getting past 10, it's ready to think about birthing a new group. When a group starts to grow to about 14, it starts becoming ineffective and you'll start seeing people starting to drop off. But some groups may need to be smaller when they, when they divide because there's uh, certain types of groups like uh, that are more accountability-oriented may need to be smaller and so they have to divide more frequently. Cell group churches organize cell groups at every level. So you have children's cells, 
Es gibt And you have youth cells. The major exception for the youth cell is that youth have a desire for socialization, so they like bigger crowds of youth, not just small groups of youth. And that makes perfect sense because one of the functions and purpose of youth groups is so that young people will marry well. That's true, isn't it? That's why youth like big groups. They want more choices <laughs> to choose from. <laughs> That's why the church that I'm now a part of, our daughter church, is doing so well. It is 70% single young adults. That translates to six to 700 single adults. Now, if you were a single young adult, where would you want to go to church? In fact, they did a, they did a seeker series one time, oriented for evangelism. It was a five-week series on how to find a good marriage partner. The church grew by 200 people during that five-week series. And there were 50-some baptisms that happened out of that. By the way, that church is not just a young people's church. They let people like me into it. In a youth group, you want to have as many as you can have. And so you do some large group stuff. And you may even give a little teaching. And then you break them into small groups for the discussion, interaction, and this is where they experience their cell life. So the uniqueness of this youth group is that you want to have the large group celebration and the small group, the cell group dynamic happening in the same meeting, wherever possible. In that way, you can even have youth leading this little cells. 